Hello and welcome to True to the Bible Podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us again for this lesson over the Song of Moses. Today we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and we're going to be looking at the song in which Moses sang to the people, encouraging them to not get bogged down with the blessings and the riches that God would give them if they obey. This passage can be applied to us very easily as we all have riches in some way, and those riches usually tempt us. So today we're going to look at how we can apply what Moses told the people through the song that he sang to them. Thanks again for joining us. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 32. This week we are going to be looking at the song of Moses. Moses sings a song. If you look at uh, chapter 31, or yeah, sorry, chapter 31, verse 31, um, it actually says that Moses is going to sing this song. He sings a song to the people of Israel as a reminder. It talks about um, what has happened in the past and what's going to happen and how God has worked. So if you look at verse 30 of chapter 31, it says, Then Moses spoke uh, in the hearing of all the assembly of Israel the words of this song until they were complete. And basically Moses is trying to give these people a reminder of um, something that they can keep in their mind that they can like look back on and be like, hey, remember that song that Moses sang so that we can do, uh, do right. And basically in this song, there's this big thing about riches, okay? Because we're talking about the covenant. We've been talking about the covenant the whole time, right? The covenant of Israel and God, right? Everybody remember that kind of? Okay, that, condu- that co- covenant was a conditional covenant, right? And if they did right, if they obeyed, they were going to be blessed by God in a lot of areas, correct? So a big part of this song is actually Moses saying, hey, God's going to bless you guys, and then what's going to happen is you're going to forsake him because you're rich or because you have a luxurious life. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. I'm going to start out by just reading verse 3 and 4. We're going to be going through um, quite a bit of 32, uh, but we're just going to read through and 4 just to start with because that's where we're going to start this morning. Okay, it says, For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness without injustice, righteousness and upright is he. All right, let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Dear God, we just come before you. Thank you for the day you've given to us. Pray that um, you speak to us through your word, and that we would understand what you have for us in this song of Moses, and as you talk to the people of Israel here, God, um, we just thank you for all you've done. I promise in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so if you remember right, I think it was last week or the week before, Moses actually passed the leadership to Joshua. Okay, you guys remember that? So Joshua is now the leader, but Moses does two things at the end of Deuteronomy uh, before he like goes up on the mountain and dies. Okay, and actually I think I have the picture. So this is actually this is Mount Nebo. The zoom you can't see the top, I guess, but this is Mount Nebo. It's like a hill. This is actually where they think Moses like went up and died. Okay, at the very end, and this this is in the next chapter here, or next couple of chapters. But he passes the baton to Joshua. They're in this kind of area, this deserty area, looking like this. And he does two things. He sings a song, and he blesses the people. And today we're going to look at the song. Next week we're going to look at the blessing. Okay, why do he sing the song? I already mentioned it a little bit, but he's really calling the people not to forget what God's done, and he's reminding them that God's going to do the same thing in the future. And basically he's saying, hey, keep following God. Don't follow the culture uh, when you get rich. Okay, and we all know uh, the story of Pinocchio, right? Okay. Pinocchio. Okay, well, 
Pinocchio, there's a, this is the part we always remember, right? The, the nose that grows when it like, lies. Yeah, one commercial I so. remember, there was like, if Pinocchio was like one of those people like governors or something, I oh. see potential in every one of you. Whoop. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so we all know, we all know the, uh, the nose grows when he lies. But in the book, the book is actually written in the 1800s. It's like 1893, I think. Uh, but that book was written, and in the book, uh, the guy who gets this, his name's uh, Geppetto, okay? it's an Italian book, and he gets this basically block of wood, okay, but the block of wood is weird and it's like talking, okay, that's why somebody gives it to him, and he actually starts carving it because he's a very poor uh, puppet maker, right, and back then puppets were made out of wood, right, and so he starts carving Pinocchio, and from the very start, Pinocchio is super uh, mean to him, okay, and a theme through the book is that Pinocchio, he's, he doesn't, he's not grateful to his creator, okay? And so, like, as he's carving him, he carves him, I think, from the top down in the book, and the first thing that Pinocchio does to Geppetto when his feet are completed or carved, kick him. he kicked him. He kicks him. He, he kicks him, okay? And the first thing that Pinocchio does when Geppetto teaches him to walk is run away. Yeah. And so he wasn't grateful to his creator. And as we're looking at this song of Moses... Okay, he, I think if, if we, okay, if we are grateful, if we're thankful to our creator, okay, then we're not going to be tempted, or we may be tempted, but we're not going to give into the temptation of riches that we're going to be talking about here. Okay, so we tend to forget God when we get comfortable. All of us do. And it's very easy for us to get comfortable because we live in the United States, right? And we tend to forget God when we get comfortable, uh, but that should never happen. And Moses warns the people that that's what's going to happen. Um, so we're going to start by looking at God's greatness or the greatness of God. Uh, and this is in verse 3 and 4, what we read. I'm going to read them again, um, and then we'll talk about it just a little bit. He starts, and this is basically the start of the song. Um, at the very start, he says, like, hey, listen up, guys. He says, give here a year of heaven. And he's talking about witnesses and all that. And then the, uh, he says that his teaching is going to be like drops of rain. But really where he really starts diving in is right here in verse 3. He says, I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness, and without injustice, righteousness, and upright is he. So he starts out by talking about God's greatness. That's what Moses does. He wants to remind the people of Israel of God's greatness, and we need to re remind that, or be reminded of that as well. Okay, and, and so as he does this, there's four things we're going to look at that he reminds them of. The first one is that God is the fortress. Look at verse... Um, Verse 4, after he says that he's going to ascribe greatness to God, he says, the rock. That's what he calls God. In your Bible, the rock is probably capitalized, is it? Okay, so the rock is, he's talking about God there. So why would he say that God is a rock? Well, he would say that God is a rock because traditionally, okay, rocks are, being, are known for being like immovable, okay, or tough. You build walls out of rock, out of stone, because they're hard to breach. Okay, so it has this idea of being a fortress, somewhere, somewhere where someone can take refuge, and God is that for the people of Israel, and he is that for us too, okay, because God is the same God now as he was then, okay, and so when we think about a rock, um, I got a couple of rocks that I want to show you guys, these are real places, okay, this is in China, this isn't a painting or anything, this is what these rocks actually look at, this is the name of it, I can't really say it, but this is in China. It's a really cool they rock. Yeah, it's a it's a really cool rock formation that's colored just strangely, but it's really cool. Uh, so this one is actually in Norway, okay? And it's a super. You can't even see how tall this thing is, but it's super tall. This one actually gets almost the most visitors out of any other rock formation, 
and he just jets out here over this giant river and just falls like so far. It's a really cool place. Um, this one's in Arizona. It's actually the Antelope Canyon, and it's got these really smooth like curvature rock paths, and I mean, it's just really cool. I don't wanna go there, I haven't been there. Um, and this is actually a special place where the, the light comes through the top and like shines on a circle, it's, it's pretty cool. But that's in Arizona, Antelope Canyon. Okay, this is a weird rock, and it looks like it's gonna fall, okay? And it's been there for like thousands of years. And it's actually like a Buddha temple. But <clears throat> this one's in Myanmar, I, I believe, and it's just really cool because it looks like this thing's gonna fall off all the time, but it just stays there. So it's, it's just a really interesting one. And then the last one I wanna talk about, because I like rock climbing, El Capitan. <clears throat> this is in California. It's one of the great rock climbing feats in America. So if you're a rock climber, that's what this guy's doing right here. Um, if you're a rock climber, a serious rock climber, and you go do this, like it's good on your resume, if you know what I mean. This is a really cool rock just because of the uh, sheer size from ground to peak of like straight cliff. Um, but it's a really cool rock. When we think about rocks, guys, though, they're, they're hard, they're immovable, like nobody's going to move this, right? That's why like when we talk about, or when we see in the New Testament, like faith that can move mountains. You guys have heard that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, why is that? Because mountains are hard to move, right? You can't just like pick up a mountain and move it. You can't just pick these rocks up and move it. So when Moses calls God the rock, he's calling him the fortress or the refuge for the people of Israel to run to. Okay, and actually, if you read this whole psalm through, he uses rock a lot. Um, verse 37, if you, I'm going to scroll down and read that, but in verse 37, he uses the word rock to describe false gods. And he says that they took refuge in those, those other small g gods, and it didn't work. He says, look in verse 37, and he will say, where are their gods, the rock in which they sought refuge? See, he's saying that rock is a refuge. He's saying they sought um, refuge in false gods. And it didn't work because God is the only refuge. Okay, it's used six times in the song to signify God or others as the or God is a true rock or others as um, not true rocks or not true fortresses. So, first thing he says, Moses says, is, "Hey, God is you guys' fortress," and that's really important for the people of Israel. Okay, you got to remember they're about to go into the land, right? They need a refuge. Okay, they need a rock. They need someone that they can rely on, and we do too. Okay, in our hard times and in our trials, we need rocks. Uh, or a rock, a refuge, and God is that for us, okay? Um, you know, First Peter says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you, okay? That's like taking a refuge in, in Christ. Okay, the second thing that Moses says, or that uh, he talks about is justice, God's justice. He's, God is perfectly just. This is in verse 4 again, if you look at it. After he says, he is the rock, he says his works are perfect, for all his ways are just. Or he is perfectly just. Justice is a hard thing for us sometimes, to understand because being perfectly just um, it's just hard because everybody's evil right and, and so like it's hard for us to understand why God would do something but really if you think about it God's justice is awesome and it's great because justice is why Jesus had to come to die okay which stinks that he had to come to die but you know justice is why he had to come to die justice is why the people of Canaan were taken out okay which is what we're talking about what Israel's about to go do Justice is why God does a lot of things okay so what is justice yeah, I have a, I think a the description here. Justice is getting what you deserve. Okay, equality, um, which is what our world tries to make justice. Okay, they try and say that justice and equality are the same thing. It's not. No. Justice is getting what you deserve. Equality is a state of being equal. And so, for example, Jesus, okay, he did he get what he deserved when he died on the cross? No, no he didn't, right? Uh, but he was made equal to us. Okay, but it was justice now 
because God can let us have a relationship with him, right? Because all those sins are paid for because of Jesus Christ. So um, justice is actually getting what you deserve. We deserve hell. Justice would be us going to hell for our sins, right? But Jesus came, he paid for those sins, so we don't have to do that anymore. Okay, our world says that we all need to be equal, and I mean, that's, that's not true, right? It's not true. It's just not, because we're not equal. Okay, we're all created, and we're all created uh, uniquely. So we're all different, right? So we're not all equal. We're all different, and that's good. Um, and that's part of God's plan. Uh, justice is what we're talking about, though, not equality. So I just want to make that distinction because a lot of people think that equality and justice are the same thing, but they're not. Justice isn't like just everybody gets the same amount. That's not justice. That's not justice. Justice would yeah, it is, right? Okay, so um, God is just, though, and for us, sometimes that seems bad because we're bad people. But he is just, and Moses wants to make sure that the people understand this. And think about this, too, really quick as a side note. It's important for the people of Israel to remember this because they're going into the land to basically punish the Canaanites, right? They're going into the land to destroy people. And Moses wants them to know, hey, remember that God is just and he has a reason for doing all this stuff. So um, that's important. So God's just. He's also faithful. This is, again, still in verse 4. If you look at if you keep going in verse 4, it says, A God of faithfulness without injustice, righteousness, and upright is he. He's dependable. Our God is dependable. Okay, Moses goes on to say that. Um, when you talk about dependability or faithfulness, you guys know what that is? That's, it's a geyser. It's a geyser. I've been there. You've been there? Uh-huh. That's cool. Okay, they, does anybody know why they named it Old Faithful? Yeah, so when they discovered it, the people that discovered it, I guess they just sat there for a while and watched it, but they're sitting there watching it, and it went off consistently, over and over and over again, and um, at the same time, every you know 70 minutes or whatever it was, it would go off. And so they named it Old Faithful. Okay, God is faithful. Okay, he's dependable, and we can rely on him. Moses says this to the people as they're getting ready to go into land. Okay, why is it important for them? Because he's going to keep the promise. He's going to keep the promise that he gave to them, and he's going to keep promises that he gives to us too. And so it's important for us, it's important for Israel to remember that God is faithful. He's dependable. Okay, and then finally, when we're talking about God, finally, God is the giver. Now this is a big section because this really ties into what we're talking about today and what Moses' song is really about. If you look at verse 7 through 14, it talks about what God has done for Israel. We're going to read it. It talks about how God is the giver. Okay, James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from God the Father. Okay, um, And so, as we look at our lives and we see the good things that happen to us, we've got to remember that God is the giver. We've got to thank Him for it. Okay, And that's going to help keep us um, straight when we're tempted with riches. Okay, Look at verse 7. It says, remember the days of old. Consider the years of all generations. Ask your father and he will inform you. Your elders and they will tell you. When the, uh, when the Most High gave the nations under their inheritance and were uh, separated from the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people and Jacob is the uh, allotment of his inheritance. He found him to be a desert land a howling waste in a wilderness, and he encircled him, and he cared for him, and he guarded him as a pupil of his eye. Okay, the hymn there is God, by the way. Let an eagle that stirs up his, or like an eagle that stirs up his nest, however, to hover over its young. He spread his wings and caught them and carried them in his pinions. The Lord alone guided him, and there was no foreign God with him. 
He made him ride on the high places of the earth, and he ate the produce of the field. And he made him suck from honey of the rock and oil from the flinty rock, curds of cows, of milk of the flock with the fat of lambs and rams, the breed of Bashan, and the goats with the, forest, or with the finest wheat, and the blood of the grapes that you drank wine. Okay, this is a bigger section, but Moses is really focusing on it. He's really focusing on it, and he's saying that God is the giver of all things. Okay, look at verse 7 and 8. Or really, verse 7. Okay, in verse 7, he's talking about, he says, remember, which, by the way, is a huge theme in Deuteronomy, if you guys haven't noticed. Remember is a big theme. Okay, so, which is going to be important as we play our last Jeopardy. But he says, remember the days of old. He's saying, hey, remember what God's already done for you. Okay, what has God done for the people of Israel? Does anybody remember? He's delivered them out of Egypt. Okay, he's delivered them out of Egypt. What else? He led them through the wilderness. Led them through the, the wilderness. Of glory. Good. He's what also else? made manna fall from the sky. Made manna fall. What else? Part of the Red Sea. Part of the Red Sea. He uh, took down Canaan for them. Yeah, he takes down Canaan for them. He's already taken down Moab for them at this point. That's good. So he's done a ton of things for him. He says, hey, remember. And then he, at the end of verse 7, he says, just ask your fathers. Like, ask your grandpa and your grandpa's grandpa. They're all dead. But basically what he's saying, though, is he's saying, hey, just look back and remember from these people what happened to them. Okay, God provided for them. Okay, verse 8 and 9, he tells of the setting apart of Israel. Okay, when he talks about the inheritance, um, he separated them. He's talking about, like, the calling of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? He calls them, he sets them apart to do his work. He set them apart. What's the biggest thing that he set them apart for? Freedom. No. What's the biggest thing that God set Israel apart for? Or to be God's people. To be God's people. To glorify him. To glorify him. I mean, he set them apart for all these things. Oh, to raise his son. What? Like to raise Jesus? Like yeah, that the seed would come through them. That the seed would come through Abraham. That Jesus Christ would save the world. Okay, by through Abraham, all nations would be blessed. That's the blessing of Jesus Christ, right? And so this 8 and 9 says, hey, remember, 7 says, remember what God's done. 8 and 9 says, hey, he set you apart for these special things. Then 10 through 12, okay, it's, it's kind of weird, right? He says, hey, you were in a desert land. You're in a howling waste of wilderness. But then it says that God encircled them. He cared for them. He guided, he guided them. He, uh, Moses compares God to an eagle, okay, that takes its chicks under its wings. Okay, what is that? Protection. Protection, right? And so basically 10 through 12 is saying that God brought them from the desert, from the howling place, from nothing. He brought them as a people group from nothing to a special set of part people that he protects, that he cares for, that he guides. Okay, and then verse 13 and 14, okay, he made them ride on high places of the earth. They ate the produce of the field. It talks about the honey and the oil, the curds of cow, the milk of the flock, the fat of the lambs. Okay, all this stuff is talking about um, blessings. It's talking about riches, okay, which they've had in the past, and they are going to have if they follow God, correct? So if they follow God, they are going to have these good blessings of God. Okay? And he's saying all these things come from God. God is the giver. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, he's making sure to tell them that because in 15, okay, he changes, he shifts. Okay, in verse 14, he's talking about all this good stuff they have. Then look at verse 15. He talks about the riches that tempt us. Okay, because as he's, we're, we're going through a flow here, right? Moses is going through a flow in his song, right? He said, hey, remember what God did? Here's what he did. He chose you. He guided you. He protected you. You became rich because he blessed you. 
Okay, that's, that's what's happened so far. And then look at verse 15. He says, but, and Jershon, okay, that, that actual word is, that's a symbolic word for Israel. So you could say, but Israel. But Israel grew fat and kicked, and you are grown fat and thick and sleek. And then he, meaning Israel, forsook God who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation. Okay, why do we need to remember that God is the one who gave us everything, that God is the giver of every good thing, that God blesses us? Okay, because when we get fat, we forget. Okay, and we're not talking about being physically fat. We're talking about being comfortable, being luxurious. When we get, so like when God blesses us, it's so ironic. But when God blesses us with something, we tend to be like, oh, I did that on my own. It's so like when God gives me something or blesses me with something, I tend to be like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good. And I tend to reject the truth of who God is and what God is doing in my life. Okay, and we're going to look at three things that we tend to do okay, uh, that we're tempted with. Okay, the first thing is pride. Okay, verse 15. This is in verse 15. He says Israel's grown fat um, on all the things that God has given them. And then what do they do? They forsook him, okay, and they scorned him. They forsook him and they scorned him. Meaning they turned away from him, basically. Meaning they, they don't want anything to do with him anymore. Okay, and the reason that I say this is pride is because... They think they can do everything on their own? Well, yeah, but really they think they got where they are on their own because like if, if I'm blessed by God in a lot of ways and then I forsake and scorn God that means I think that I got here on my own basically right because I'm like hey I'm in this great position at work let's say I'm at work I'm in this great position I'm making tons of money man I'm good what are you doing you're forsaking and scorning God who gave you that stuff right you're saying God didn't have anything to do with that and that's pride it's pride in our life and we do that all the time and Moses is warning these people uh, and we see it actually happens later on. But he's warning these people because they're going to go in and God's going to give them victory over Canaan, right? And he's going to give them the land. And he's going to give them um, provision and luxury. And he's warning them because he's like, hey, when that happens, you're going to tend to forget God and go with the culture. And that's pride. Now, we have issue with that. And really the quickest cure for pride in this instance okay, is thankfulness, a grateful heart. If we're thankful and grateful to God for what he did, then it's not like we didn't get there, right? It's not, if I'm like, again, at a position in work or in school or in sports, like where I'm really good, so I'm really good at basketball, okay? If I'm grateful to God every day for, for him giving me the opportunity to play, giving me the talent to play, giving me the team to play with, am I going to be prideful? No. Probably not, right? Because I'm, I'm thinking about all the stuff that God's given me and that God's doing through my life, and all of a sudden it's about God, it's not about me anymore. Okay, so the quickest way to cure that is thankfulness and gratefulness, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second. The second temptation that we see is worldliness. This is in verse 16 and 17. Look at it. It says, They, meaning Israel, made him jealous with their strange gods, little g gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known, to new gods that came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. Now, the reason I say this is worldliness because okay, this is talking about Israel following false gods, right? The culture and the world back then was following false gods. That was the popular thing to do. That was, the, that was how you look good. Okay, That was what everybody else was doing. Okay, and so as Israel is going into the land, Moses knows that the culture is going to say, hey, follow false gods, follow false gods, follow false gods. 
and they're going to tend to be worldly and follow these false gods when things get easy, right? Because they don't have to depend on God anymore, or they, they don't think they have to depend on God anymore. Because they're, they're, they got it good. They're being provided for. They're being blessed. So they say, hey, I'm going to start following the world rather than God. So he warns them against it. Okay, and the same thing happens to us. Okay, when we're doing good, everything's going fine. We tend to follow what the world says, the culture says. And the reason we do that, the reason I do that, um, is because I don't feel like I need God. You know what I mean? Like when stuff's really hard, it's a lot easier to depend on God, right? Because it's like, man, I need him. But then when stuff's easy, it's like, well, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. I don't, I don't need to depend on God anymore. And it's not true. And um, uh, Moses is warning them about this, about this going with the culture and following other false gods, putting other things before God because we don't feel like we need God. But we do. We do need God. Okay, so that's the worldliness that they're going to be tempted with and that we're, we're tempted with. And then the unfaithfulness is the final thing in verse 18. Okay, if you look at verse 18, it says, You, Israel, neglected the rock who is God, who begot you, and forgot God who gave you birth. So first, they forsook him and scorned him. Now they neglect him and forget him. Okay, neglecting and forgetting him, this is unfaithfulness. In summary, he's basically summarizing it all, saying, hey, you're neglecting and forgetting God. But why did they neglect him and forget him? It's because... They thought they didn't need him anymore. It's because they're rich. They're rich. They, yeah, and they thought they didn't need him, but they're rich, okay? When you're rich, you start neglecting God because you're messing with all your toys, right? And by toys, I don't mean like little kid toys, but like whatever it is that you're into, right? If I'm rich and I have a lot of stuff, I have a lot less time for God, right? And that's what they're doing, right? He's saying, hey, you're rich, you're fat, and you're going to forget God, and you're going to be focused on your stuff instead of focused on God. And we do that all the time, too, okay? Because we are rich. We're Americans, right? Okay, even if we're not rich, rich, okay, we still have a lot of stuff, and we have a lot of things that we can focus on other than God, a lot of things that take the place of God. Okay, and how often do we do that? How often do we let stuff replace God in our life? All the time. Okay, I do. I do all the time, all the time. It's like a daily battle for us, and I just want to encourage you guys, okay, as we, we're going to wrap it up here in a second, but, man, it is a lot easier to follow God in the easy time. I mean, it's really hard to follow God in easy times, but it's a lot easier to follow God in easy times than to wait until He disciplines you to start following Him. You know what I mean? It's a lot better to follow Him whether it's hard or easy than to not follow Him when it's easy and just wait till He has to try and get your attention. You know what I mean? And so we, us, okay, just like Israel, we need to make sure that we're following God and doing what's right and not be tempted by these riches and stuff. So the impact, okay, is super simple, I think. And I think it's just be thankful. Okay, because here's the deal. Riches will not tempt us the same if we are always ascribing to God His greatness and thanking Him for all the stuff He's given us. So, like, my brand new truck is not going to tempt me. I don't have a brand new truck. But if I had a brand new truck... It's not going to tempt me nearly as much if I remember that that's God's truck, right? And I give and I thank Him that He's given me that truck. And I ascribe to Him that He's the one. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Because then if somebody scratches my truck, well, who cares, right? It's God's truck. 
Okay, and so, or if I if I have a tendency to like wash my truck all the time, like be obsessed with my truck, okay, then I I'm not as tempted because I'm like, hey, that's God's truck, right? So this week, because we're all rich in some ways, let's be thankful. So every good thing that we have, remember, James one seventeen says every good and perfect gift comes from God. So this week, how about what we try and do is we say, hey. Every good thing that we have, I'm just going to thank God for it in the moment. As I'm driving to work, man, God, thank you for my truck. Right? As I talk to my friends, man, God, thank you for my friends. And if we're thankful and grateful for these things in the little moments, I think this really can help us not be tempted with worldliness um, and riches. Does that make sense to everybody? Thumbs up? Okay. All right. Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.